Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Sarge's secret for you. Keep you in uh, touch with what is going on. They uh, crashed on the forest floor and and on, on Nigromoto, and it was a huge space battle. And now they're crashed. All right, let's get into it. Sarge. Sarge. The words came from far away. Sarge was on a distant island, enshrouded in mist. He knew it was close, but couldn't quite be sure where he was going. Deep relaxation held down his body. It wasn't menacing. He couldn't move and felt no need to do so. There was no reason to leave. It was peaceful. The words drifted through the mist again. This time the speaker was a little sharper, like moving from a cheap, low-powered speaker to an expensive one. The voice was urgent. In the mist, there was something. There were eyes. They weren't human, nor alien species he had heard of, but they were intense. Sarge tried to move, but he couldn't. He could feel his heart race and struggle to stand, but wasn't sure he was connected to his body anymore. The person yelling at him from the mist was deafening now. A figure emerged from the fog wearing a black billowing cloak, the burning eyes only partially visible in the hood. It glided towards him and Sarge could feel its presence. The thing was evil, if pure hatred could exist in human form. Sarge! Tara yelled and Sarge snapped awake. He was dangling from a thin but hardy white tree with black patches and bark. It was the brand book, according to some of the briefing appendices he read on the way. It kind of reminded him of the Aspen from Earth. You need to get the release on your harness, Tara said. She stood on the branch below him and couldn't quite reach him. 
His safety belt was tangled in the tree. There was a shriek of metal and a large chunk of burning wreckage wobbled above them. Hurry! Sarge hit the release and fell into her arms. A piece of the transport groaned and toppled over. He jumped out of the way to another branch. The flaming hunk bounced between the limbs on its way down. Further up, a large part of the craft exploded and rained shards over their heads. They scrambled to the forest floor and ran from the tree as the TG-3 crashed down behind them. Up ahead in the clearing, Sarge could see what was left of his squad gathering. Corporal Jensen and six others were missing, including Mr. Anti-Anxiety Meds. That left Terra, Tomahawk, Crusher, and Wellesley. When Sarge entered the clearing, he could see that his team had been kind enough to pull the unconscious Mechiarnik from the wreckage. Charge was shocked that his bunkmate survived. Pilots didn't get power armor. The cockpits were sturdy and built for survivability in mind. If the pilot didn't eject, slamming into Brandbuck should have left zero survivors, much less one without a suit of armor. If Sarge believed in lottery tickets, he should put all his savings into them today. Their descent from orbit was stopped by a deck of concrete wall, and the people were left here to talk about it. Why didn't think he just didn't eject, Wellesley said. He was a bookish man who was the resident expert on explosives. Why Major Dodgery needed a boom, yeah, was a mystery to everyone. The Shosharian Swordmasters didn't kill anyone unless they could look them in the eye to whatever the hell they used for visual input. Terra shrugged and said, I don't know. The bun was stuck. Whatever the reason, Sarge said, he saved your sorry asses. Port, how are we looking with survivors? He didn't even need to ask the question. The vitals on the rest of his units were all null. The only thing left was to find the black box in each one's armor and download the contents. We uploaded Jensen and Field, sir, Crusher said. She was a tough black woman with blonde hair from the south who somehow managed to salvage a plasma cabinet from the wreckage. From the wildlife appendices, he knew they would need it if the Shusharians didn't get them first. He can put the others in the fire. Well, put it out, Sarge said. The Decker-enhanced power cells are what's burning. Decker power cells were tough to get burning, and when they did, they burned at near fusion-level temperatures. There is a good chance that all the nulls would be melted into a pile of slag, including their black boxes, if the fires burned long enough. Considering the Swordmasters could be narrowing in on their location, he wasn't going to wait around to find out. He ordered them to move out and told Crusher to sling Merkiarnik on her back. Tomok took the lead and they trekked through the mountainous forest. The place was alien. Even with all the reading he had done, they had passed a monkey-like animal with an armored back like an armadillo. A flower clamped around the monkey's hand and tore it right off when the creature tried to reach inside for the sweet nectar. They passed a bird that spun its head like an owl, but had eyes on both sides. There was a swarm of ant-like creatures dismantling a carcass of something big. Even with all the videos and immersive arcade experience, Sarge packed into their two-year journey from Earth. Being on Negromoto was nothing like he'd expected. The place was foreign and wild. It wasn't like this simulated environments of the immersive arcades of Earth. 
the place was inhospitable and made Amazon survival scenarios look like a child's ride at an amusement park. They had to stop several times when they heard the roar of some creature. They even had to scatter from under the foot of a beast more massive than the biggest dinosaur. It had grass growing on its back and could be mistaken for a hill. It swallowed a tree whole and lumbered away from the team. They're glad it seemed to be an herbivore. They walked the rest of the day without encountering any legendary carnivores. Once they were far enough away from the wreckage of their craft, Sarge ordered the group to stop and take a rest. They found a rocky outcropping on the mountainside that would give them protection from three sides and a view of the forest canopy below. Crusher set down Machiarnak and checked the dressings on his wound. She gave him a fresh injection from the med pack on her suit, but Charge could see the nanomachines had been busy healing his wounds and mending his bones. Tara and Wellesley were arguing about some actor in an old movie. It sounded like wasted breath to Sarge, but he knew each had their way of dealing with the shock of what happened. That left Tomahawk. From what little Sarge knew of the guy, the man didn't seem to stop working ever. The soldier squatted at the edge of a cliff, looking to the forest below. The sun set behind the next ridge. It was brilliant, red and yellow, that could be mistaken for Earth. You could relax, Private, Sarge said. Tomahawk didn't budge from his position. Somebody needs to stand guard, sir. The proc sensors will alert us about any wildlife. And the swordmasters, your eyes won't help you there. It's all the same. I'd like to be on alert. Sue yourself, Sarge said and turned back to the others. Crusher was finished with her medical attention. Her helmet off, she sipped from her nutrient pack. Tara and Wellesley were deep into their argument. Sarge lifted his visor and pulled some tobacco from a personal storage unit in his armor. He cut the cigar in half and offered one to Crusher. She declined, and he shrugged used his power cell to light the smoke. He disabled his med pack and let the rush wash over his body. In deep space, there was no room for smoking. In fact, the act of doing it was an archaic pastime. The exception was the people from his neighborhood in Kansas City. They smoked as an act of defiance. Maybe their ashes would clog the air filters of the people above, and they would be noticed. Either way, it was a habit as old as barbecue. One of the two things that defined Sarge. After a few puffs, he pulled out the maps of the area on a virtual screen from his ocular implants. There weren't any landmarks that matched. The auto map had been tracking the terrain since the crash didn't resemble anything. The uncontrolled landing from orbit had thrown them way off course. From the massive mountaintops and gigantic trees, they were in the deep woods. It was a place even the Shusharians feared to tread. The locals at Tektupat had a strange way of referring to the region. It was hard to tell if they were afraid of it or worshipped it. Either way, no one was supposed to go there, and the outsiders who did never came back. Well, shit, Sarge said. Crusher cocked her head. We're going to need to go to high ground, see if we can match any of the maps. We're in uncharted territory, Crusher said, and the others fell silent. They all knew what that meant. Who knows? Maybe we climb up that peak there. Sarge pointed to the tallest mountain he could see in the distance. We spot a landmark and figure out our way to link our auto map to the operations map. 
Out of a supernova into a black hole, Wellesley muttered. For all we know, the Negromodians' stories were to keep people from pissing in their national parks. You know how much it costs to get within spinning distance of a national park on Earth. You're the most highly trained badasses in the galaxy, and whatever scared off a bunch of biologist dweebs doesn't stand a chance against us. Now it's getting late, and we need sleep. Tomahawk will take first watch, Terry, you're next, followed by me, then Crusher. Wellesley, you think you can handle making the coffee? If by coffee you mean some heavy ordnance, Wellesley grinned. We leave at first light, Sarge said, and leaned up against the wall of the cave. He finished his smoke flipped down his visor and went to sleep. The armor wasn't the most comfortable place to capture a few winks, but he was used to it by now. Cadets either learned to sleep in their armor, or they washed out a basic. Alright. That is enough Sergeant Secret for now. Maybe it's not enough Sergeant Secret for now, but uh, uh, I guess this is the end of the podcast. You'll have to Tune in for more Sergeant's Secret. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And watch out for giant foots of giant creatures. So there you go. Thank you. Have a good night. Mm -hmm.